0: After having spent enough time in this sordid rock-and-roll game, in front of and behind the curtain, nothing really shocks me anymore. You find out very quickly rock-and-roll cliches arise because they happen more times than you can count. Any ridiculous happenstance or occurrence that sounds too absurd for everyday life is only too common within rock-and-roll's periphery. Sometimes this world that I'm placed in, that I'm surrounded by, is so preposterous, so farcical, that when the genuine article, a real unaffected character, walks by, most people are stunned, in awe, and line up to touch the hem of their tight-fitting jeans. Most of the time, however, it's a scene filled with a lot of bravado and posturing. When I've met some of these personalities, it usually goes one of three ways— Either they turn out to be exactly what I thought they'd be, usually genial and approachable, or they are at least awkwardly cordial, and that's fine too. Guarded defensive responses most likely stem from past experiences with rude people. After having been in this music industry long enough myself, I get it. And I'm happy to report that there's never really been a time I've met someone vaunted who turned out to be a complete asshole. Those are reserved for people in newly-touted bands who still don't know how to handle their newfound popularity. And then there's that third and rare occasion I meet someone who I have admired for a long time, and they turn out to not only impress me with their candidness and affability, but go against type and impress me further with their confidence and self-assurance. Martin Ain, bassist of the legendary Hellhammer and Celtic Frost, or Celtic Frost, depending on which side of the Atlantic you live on, is someone I've known for over 10 years. I met him in Zurich on my spoken word tour, and it was a great night. But what made it memorable was getting a chance to meet and hang out with Martin. I was completely shocked he not only knew our band, but knew our music too. Here was someone who formed the way I took in and registered music. Albums like Into the Pandemonium smashed barriers for me and, and challenged me at an age when most people are just trying to go with the flow. Morbid Tales is an album that can be credited to kickstarting a genre, and for some, a way of life. When does a band know they've created something so unique and yet so influential? When they are eulogized, but nobody even comes close to sounding like them, when most don't even dare to try. Now, the first time I laid eyes on Celtic Frost was watching their crude Circle of Tyrants video on television. They scared the shit out of me. They looked like the devil worshippers all our parents warned us about. You know, the kind that drink blood and make sacrificial offerings? Martin was at his metal thrashing best. And to understand the context of how much of an audible and visual impact Celtic Frost made, how much of an anomaly they were, you have to know people were still buying copies of Michael Jackson's Thriller album when they recorded this song and made this video. That's how ahead of the pack they were. So, being introduced to Celtic Frost under that context, and then meeting Martin years later while hosting his weekly Tuesday night karaoke from hell event, was supremely, supremely surreal. I realized that night, what people think they know of Martin Nain is only one side to an extremely interesting multi-sided coin. Since then, I have always managed to keep up with Martin We see each other every other year or so, and it's always a good talk. You can chalk this episode to how our past conversations have gone. And I, too, have participated in the Karaoke from Hell Tuesday night event at his mascot club in Zurich. Most recently, I sang after our set in Interlaken, Switzerland, at the Greenfield Festival with bandleader Boris Mueller. This year, I did Jumpin' Jack Flash and Rebel Yell, and it's fun to perform, but to be introduced by Martin Ayn himself is what keeps me coming back. This episode was recorded an hour or so before our scheduled set time in the backstage festival compound. And you can no doubt hear the other acts performing in the background. If this episode ends abruptly to you, it's only because I had to start warming up for our own gig. But trust me, I can talk to Martin Ayn all day long. And without a doubt, this will not be his last appearance on the podcast. He's just too interesting to not want to hear more from. I want to thank everyone who has left a review and or a rating for the podcast online. Thanks for taking the time to even listen to the episodes. And thanks for the support from Blue Mic Microphones and Skullcandy Headphones. This is an episode with a great man, a good friend, Mr. Martin Ain, on the official Danko Jones podcast. And it starts now. The Danko Jones podcast is the best around. round. They play the kid as Danko's co-op for free. I'm sad, so but like I just not know sometimes. Tear in from fucked up. Stop buying eggs, hey, The googly-gagly goblins will make sure they get their podcast fill by listening to Danko Jones, then snacking on some broken bones. And scaredy cats will run amok. When rock and roll starts to talk, flapping gums and striking tongues, a chilly podcast has now begun. Hey Martin, thanks for coming, meeting me here at the Greenfield Festival today.
1: Yeah, you're welcome Danco, you know, I mean like, since we got the time and the day and the date and everything all right, wouldn't miss the
0: opportunity. This just happened because Boris emailed me yesterday.
1: That's right, I thought about getting in touch with you, but then I was really busy the last couple of days, the kind of like... uh, uncomfortable busy you know and uh, Boris the way he is just got in touch so
0: we've played this festival I think this is the fourth time we've played here this is the first time you're here at least in my experience
1: yeah festivals attending wise are not really my cup of tea I like to go to shows I like to see bands but usually if it's uh, open space tens of thousands of people it's not really unless of course playing them you know but uh, otherwise, I love to see the bands on their own, with their own show. But I have to say it was fun, you know. But of, of course, we were also working here, you know, on the festival. We were playing with uh, karaoke from hell, doing three shows at the, the Rockstar Block.
0: Now, that's when I first met. We first met, unbeknownst to myself, I did a spoken word show in 2004 at the Mascot Club in Zurich. And then everybody told me afterwards, they said afterwards, uh, Martin name Martin from Celtic Frost is hosting this karaoke night, and I said, what, what? <laughs> and then that night, you came, we met, and then I sang, and it ended up being the highlight of my, my little spoken word tour for me.
1: It was a fun night, you know. I think it was a great uh, mix-up because, uh, not a mix-up, you know, but it was, a, it was a great mash-up of things because you did what normally rock and rollers don't do, you know, go on the stage and speak. You know, besides the few, the odd Henry Rollins, it's not that many out of the, the rock circuit that do that, you know. And then, of course, we do this karaoke, this, this uh, entertainment show, you have to say, where the audience comes on the stage and then sings with the band, you know. So it's it's two rock and roll things that really are not considered to be what rock and roll generally is, you know. And I think the more fun it was.
0: Well, for me, that after that night, I saw you in a different light too because think of it from my end the only the only thing I know of you at the time that I knew of you was you had the black collar you were, you had the Celtic fraud you were you, you scared me and then that night I watched with my jaw to the floor going I can't believe this guy's like a comedian and <laughs> and so that in in that way like that kinda of blew me away that night to see you in this new light, uh, in, in a very lighthearted way. A lot of people outside of Zurich or outside of Switzerland don't realize that about you, I think. They just see the you know, the the, the black the metal, the,
1: you know, all that. Yeah, they see the Celtic Frost persona, or even the Hellhammer persona, the slate Necros, you know. But of course, uh, I am just a human human being, like every other human being. And I, uh, of course, I think I can be a, a fun guy, and I can be very entertaining. And I think that's why I started hosting the show. I mean, that form was uh, my idea to do that when we started that club, the mascot. We said we want to do a rock and roll night, you know. And, and that's, uh, your club. that's, that's right. Are... Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm co management co-owner you know I'm with friends of mine together we're running that club and uh, we wanted to do uh, a rock night you know and uh, on the weekends rock in Zurich is not really working that well because Zurich has never been a real uh, rock or a, you have to say a hard rock city used to be punk rock and but then straight you know punk rock you know politically correct and uh, uh, you had to have a message and a meaning and a seal to it, but rock and roll, just like as a, as a lifestyle, is not really that big in Zurich. It's, it's more like uh, electronic music and, and hip-hop, you know, that's big. So we knew we would, ha- we would have to do that night uh, during week time. And we said like, okay, what can you do? But, you you know, just like have a DJ play rock music like on a Tuesday night. It's never going to work. In Zurich, you will not have a turnout. And and just get the local bands playing after like every Tuesday night, after uh, half a year, you will have run through every band that really is of any interest, you know. So we said we need to do something that we can do every night and it will work every night and it will be, you know, the same but still different. That's how we came uh, up with this karaoke idea and we've been doing that night that you know every Tuesday night at the mascot for like 10 years except for like three months summer break so in 10 years we played around 500 shows just at the mascot alone Tuesday nights
0: you know it's been you, you guys did a book too
1: I'm in the book yeah, so we did a photo book. That was more like a community book. What you would call, m- mean, for listeners in North America, most probably a high school yearbook. You know, something like this. So we did a, a karaoke from hell uh, yearbook. We had a, f- a photographer uh, with us for like every show or every other show for like a, almost... Two years a year and a half taking pictures of the singers on stage and immediately after the performance off stage you know taking a portrait shot and then of course taking pictures from the show and everything because <clears throat> we wanted something to remember by because after like f- doing the show for five years we had realized uh, people come people go uh, the times are changing you know there have have been people that met up at karaoke from hell couples that have met up get married had a kid second name of the kid was lemmy because father and mother met up at the mascot when the father was singing motorhead ace of spades you know and so oh they gave the kid the second name lemmy and uh, by now ten years later that kid is uh... Grade five, eight years yeah. nine, nine eight years old or something like yeah. this eight or nine years old and the, the parents are divorced already So. Times go by and we wanted something to do, you know, like it, like I said, like a high school yearbook, something you can hold in your hands and take out and look. But so, you know, basically a community book. It wasn't for the wider distribution because that's a, the Kurokum Hell thing, of course, was a or is more like a local thing. Although we perform all over Switzerland. I mean, we played a Montreux Chess Festival uh, two years ago.
0: Really? What did you do?
1: Uh, we played at jazz, uh, no, with karaoke from hell. You know? yeah, with jazz yeah. fans. in Montreal Chess Festival, come on it's not a chess festival. anymore. No, it's, it's just a chess yeah, festival in, oh, by name, the, oh, you know?
0: Oh, yeah, that's right. Of course. It's I mean, so you have everybody performing worldwide. there. You had
1: Slayer performing at Montreux, you know, if that I'm not I mistaken. Yeah, I think Slayer performed at Montreux, if I'm not mistaken. You know, you had a Nightwish performed there, I think, uh, uh, a year ago or something like this, if I'm not mistaken, you know? So you got metal there as well. You know, you got rock, pop, metal. You have everything at the Montreux chess Festival. And it worked really, really well, although I have to say, uh, I was really, really really pissed off at the end of the show because at the end of the show we had packed house we had like a two and a half hour show people coming onto the stage singing every song imaginable rock punk hardcore heavy metal whatever we got on the list you know we got like 150 songs on on that Give Him hell song list and the one song that I was really certain of the one song that I thought this is the one that everybody wants to perform at the Montreux Chess Festival nobody requested Smoke on the Water by Deep Purple, because that song, yeah, that song was written in Montreux, That song is about Montreux and the Montreux Jazz Festival. You know when Frank Zappa played there and the casino where the festival took yep. place. Frank Zappa played there at the Jazz Festival, and the the casino uh, started started burning up. You know and uh, so it's all about it and nobody requested it so i had to force somebody from the audience and i would have done i would have done, mean, done force, it you know f- force funny you know right. had to force them up onto the stage hijack him you know shanghai him you know really just like hey you know we can't walk off the stage with this kind of show and it's all about it's all about history in a part you know that's what I like about that uh, karaoke format you bring rock history to the people and and they can partake in it it's not like they're standing in front of a stage you know just adoring their idols they can, can be you know have the feel of what it is like to be their idols for like 5 minutes you know the famous Andy Warhol saying you know everybody's gonna be a star for 15 minutes karaoke from hell is doing their part to make that come true. And also, on the other hand, I thought, like with that song, you know, uh, Deep Purple Smoke on the Water, um, I think it was a year earlier that Claude Knops, you know, the, the founder of the Montreux Chess Festival and, and, and basically the, the godfather of it, you know, <clears throat> had died. So I thought, this is, this is how you keep the spirit alive, you know. When we started out, the Ramones were still performing as a band. And now not one of the original Ramones is still alive and I like to point that out when people come onto the stage and sing the Ramones and say like hey listen from here on now this is how that music will stay alive because we our generation part of our generation will start experiencing and realizing all the original creators and performers of this music passing on but the music's still lasting, and it will only last if people will still listen to it and live it, you know. And I think this is karaoke from hell in a fun way.
0: Well, a, a lot of people, what they don't realize when when they hear, oh, you're, you know, you're doing karaoke from hell, you, you present each anyone who signs up to, you know, karaoke is this whole thing, this concept is worldwide. Yeah. But the difference with your karaoke is is when they sign up you introduce the person who it is, right? That's what yeah. you usually do. I
1: mean, you got the band, you know, the, the idea is, generally uh, karaoke is you got a screen in front of you and music blasting out of speakers and on the screen you got the lyrics with the most probably a silly video of a, of a girl walking through some park <laughs> that you don't really know where it's all, uh, where it is really at. And, and then the the lyrics are being um, cursor pointed out, you know, so you know when to sing them. From hell, you got the lyrics in front of you projected on the screen, but no cursor pointing out because the music's being played live, and so the tempo always uh, is prone to variation, you, you know. Have to know the song. That's right, and you got a band on stage, regular, you know, live setup, and the people walk onto the stage i usually say they walk up the stairway to karaoke from hell heaven you know right. for for like five minutes of uh, of fame or maybe sometimes six minutes if it's a longer song you know or two and a half seconds if they choose napalm death you suffer you know because we got that on the list as well <laughs> and i introduce the people and i introduce the people the singers and what song they are going to do you know and uh, usually i have to say we get great singers we get people that have their own bands, you know, and are (coughs) even performing artists like yourself uh, that come to sing, but we got everyday regular Joes that come onto stage and uh, uh, ridicule themselves, you know? because they don't really know how to do it or they have over estimated themselves or maybe uh, the beer you know the amount of beer that they had that night has made them overestimate themselves so they they can make an ass of themselves and i have to say this is the fun thing about Kuroki as well, that the the people really appreciate it, you know, sometimes people that fuck up, but they fuck up royally, you know, and give everything into it, you know, get the most applause and the most appreciation because people can relate to them, you know, fun
0: stuff. But but what a lot of people don't realize and what I didn't realize until I saw it firsthand is you, you are like a comedian and, and, on stage up at Karaoke from Hell. So you you started. We started off this talk talking about how I went there and I was doing something out of my element, which was spoken word. Have you ever considered doing something very similar in the spoken word realm? Uh,
1: yeah, actually, I had uh, given it some thought. I was uh, sitting together for. Uh, for a time with a friend of mine who was doing the what you would call cabaret uh, comedy circle in, in German speaking Switzerland and he's got his own program and we were talking about doing something together but that didn't come into fruti- uh, in, didn't come into uh, passing to fruition yeah that's true and uh, so I thought maybe doing something on my own but I was really busy with everything else that I had started doing uh, in the 90s like I said like the club or it's also a bar that I'm I'm running you know and I do the, I did the karaoke show, show every week you know and we did, on the weekends we did shows in, in other clubs throughout right, uh, German speaking Switzerland you know so uh, I've, been, I've been busy with that and it's been lasting for like ten years at the same place you know so for a long time Uh, but I now have been thinking more about that I should maybe try to do something like that again
0: because I mean obviously from the Celtic Frost years Hellhammer years people that those years have become uh, legend and almost myth to, to the new crops of fans who love that kind of music and you you have all those stories um I'm sure you've got tons of them and I think you can you could I mean obviously you can you can deliver them in in a way that's humorous lighthearted and even for people who aren't necessarily into the genre of music they could get entertained by how you deliver the the stories I yeah think- could be
1: could be a good idea you know good but, but then again you know I don't know if it really just like going out and telling stories about the old days uh, would be the thing for me to do anymore. Because I think the the old days have been worked up to a certain extent. You know, there have been the, the, the books that Tom course wrote or that we co-worked on you know the are you morbid first uh, autobiography and then um, only death is real you know where you where, where you have a wider scope because you have basically a lot of the key players most of the key players uh, involved uh, of uh, the the forming of Hellhammer and Celtic Frost are, are in this book you know and uh, fun stuff fun stories from the past could be one thing but I think it should be more than uh, than just that you know basically I think it, it this would be a focus just on, on the past. Maybe that would be a starting point. It's a good idea, maybe as a starting point. But I think it should be it should be more open, you know? Should. Well, you
0: can t- talk about a variety of subjects. Oh, I,
1: could, I can talk about anything and everything, you know, and I can talk for hours without even saying something that in the end makes any sense, but everybody still thinks they got the point, you know. I think this is a God-given talent, you know. I think actually was passed through uh, by my mother to me. My mother was able uh, to do that, you know, she was able to talk and people were all agreeing and in the end I was thinking, what was she really saying, (laughs) you know. (laughs) Maybe I should have become a politician because in the the end I think that's what politicians do for a living, you know.
0: (laughs) yeah you have to get a haircut though or no. uh,
1: nowadays I'm not really that certain anymore yeah most probably should but there actually there are like in the more uh, uh, conservative right-wing fraction in Switzerland the biggest party uh, you know which is uh there's a long hair politician that has uh, risen through the ranks could be possible although i although i imagine the first time time i will try to run uh for mayor in 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 zurich you know i'll be doing some serious uh you know podium discussions and they'll be uh they'll be projecting hellhammer slate necros corpse paint pictures (laughs) while i'm doing that i think i don't think that really would work you know do you really want that guy to be your mayor (laughs) You know,
0: <laughs> triumph of death. Yeah, maybe not. You know, satanic rights. But I would I would spin it like you've gotten that out of your system now. And now you're ready to be serious and you're ready to be with the people. Yeah, where no skeletons left in the closet. Maybe I need you as my companion. campaign. Campaigner, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I think you yeah. would be a great campaign manager. <laughs> and then afterwards, if, if, if we have succeeded, you can become the official spokesperson, you know, like...
0: <laughs> Martin is not taking any uh, any questions today. Thank you. Good day. <laughs> um, there's one thing that was just told to me about you and they when they found out that i was going to do this podcast with you they said ask him about your model collection do you have are you crazy model collector not models toys toy collector someone said you take two weeks off and you just whatever it is work on your collection
1: You know, it doesn't take any work because it's not a model collection where I uh, put together models and uh, and paint them up. No, it's not action figures. I used to collect a- action figures in the uh, 80s, you know, because there wasn't that much else around that I could get a hold of back in uh, here in Switzerland or in Europe, you know, back in the day. And uh, before the age of the Internet was mo- much, much more difficult. Um, and I got into Kaiju... Uh, long time ago you know but those were really hard to get a hold of. kaiju Kaiju, that's uh japanese monsters basically the the godfather of kaiju is godzilla you know and uh he uh tsuburaya you know he's special effects artist for a lot of those uh toho um big monster movies you know like godzilla he uh created those famous tv series like ultra q and ultra man you know where in every episode you know ultra man would battle another foe another like giant monster that would threaten japan you know and those giant monsters they are uh, kaiju you know and of course since the 60s or you might have to say since the 50s but basically since the 60s um those programs got really really popular with kids so there were toys created those programs had you know did become less of horror and more of like kids action uh, sci-fi adventure movies you know like the character Gamera from a, from a foe in the beginning he had turned into a, a positive figure at the end of the series and was always uh, interacting with the kids you know to set rights uh, to set wrongs right you know Did you that all the way <clears throat> that no no in the 60s I saw most of the kaiju movies I saw basically I, saw, I think I saw every kaiju movie that got released here in uh, in Europe and Switzerland in the German speaking park because they were playing in the movies sometimes as a a lot of times as double features you know a lot of times as, as, as double features i got to see a lot of those i got to see him on television not all of them i, d- I did get to see on uh, in the cinema because i was too young to go to the cinema back you know in the uh, early 70s but i saw him on, on television and i was really a, a sucker for him i had my first uh, godzilla toy when i was let me think uh seven years old think seven th- seven year old so. i still have it yeah, of course i i've been collecting since i was a kid so I collect kaiju, I collect toys, uh, in general you might have to say I collect comic books, you know. Uh, I had, have collected records but I'm an eclectic record collector, you know. I'm not collecting any certain style of music or any, uh, any uh, specific style of music and, and, uh, or certain artists. Certain artists I collect try to get everything I get and get a hold of but sometimes if I don't like a record I don't buy it. So
0: what do you mean by eclectic?
1: eclectic whatever i like you know whatever i think is good ends up in the collection
0: like but it's popular music
1: oh it's everything it's so from it like it's from experimental it's yeah it's c- it could be from how to train your dogs uh, f- uh to uh you know uh, they're they're in the in the 60s and 70s you know with the counterculture rising there have been records on on occultism you know uh, on the occult you know and how to f- Properly form your witch coven, and, and uh, what do satanic rituals sound like? I mean, Anton LaVey, you know, he made a couple of records f- uh, with and from the First Church of Satan, and he, of course, made this uh, really yeah. famous record with his. Um, uh, uh, yeah, it's yeah. not it's more than keyboard; it's, it's organ, the organ. church organ playing. You know, that has been re-released, yeah. of course. You know, be really, be- uh, I think in two different versions. One yeah. of his really beautiful 10-inch. You know, oh, <laughs> yeah, me, I got yeah. that one too. So you know, I, I've been collecting this. I've been collecting. Everything, if it's got that certain satanic uh, touch to it, but it doesn't have to be really uh, satanic or evil, but it just uses the imagery for something that normally you wouldn't consider uh, the devil's music, you know, like 70s disco, you know. Then. uh,
0: Oh, I see. As long as it uses the, the symbolism or the, that's right
1: the, the images. or uh, images and trying to build up on something you know uh, or for or with electronic music that uh, and and if, when you listen to the music it doesn't really sound evil you know that uh, anything basically I'm li- easy listening you know even if it's sometimes more uneasy easy listening you know but it pertains to the easy listening genre uh, whatever soundtracks you know soundtracks have become really really popular again there are a lot of small uh, labels out there that uh, re-release and even release for the first time, properly release uh, great scores, you know, from movie from movies from the 60s, 70s, and 80s. You know, there's a in England there's a, a great label, Death Waltz Records. I don't know if you know, if you know those guys do a really great job, you know, for example. Yeah, anyhow. So so I got I'm collecting in in a wide way, and especially with the records, it's really, as I said, eclectic.
0: Well, I started on Instagram, I started posting some of my more Offbeat records that I have and I always left a hashtag next level record collecting So which I meant I use that meaning You know beyond your Abbey Road and beyond your Zeppelin houses of the holy Once how many how many times do we need to buy that once you're past that For me, I start looking for really fucked up weird records and it's not necessary. I don't adhere to like the occult symbolisms like you do but it's more like just the weirdest fucking shit i could find like how to train your parakeet or like how to skate properly you know like that kind of stuff those those or like a movie star who you never thought would sing but their ego just got so big they thought they could do anything and they put out a record that's the kind of stuff i love
1: there's fun stuff out there you know there always has been And most probably there always will be and you don't have to go for the half, you know, who did music and he he became really successful with it, you know, I mean, successful, successful to the degree that he thinks he's partly responsible for the the Berlin Wall coming down, you know, basically. yeah not really like that but just he had this massive hit i'm looking for freedom and it it was number one in germany and it was number one at the time you know when the berlin wall came down so this is what everybody was singing and listening to because in the title basically it's what the way I'm putting it out right now is I'm simplifying to the max here, you know. Of course, it didn't really come to pass as I say it, but nowadays, when you listen to the half talk about it, it yeah. sounds like it just came to pass like that, right. you know. So, everybody was going for that, but it really is in a, in a degree, it's true, you know, that this was one of the anthems you know of the of change of course just like winds of change by uh, the, uh by the scorps that's true and so but he's a singing he's an example for a, you know classic example for a singing uh, actor but of course leonard nimoy also is quite known twinkle twinkle little star yeah, you know yeah, but yeah. one of my favorites my i think my all-time favorite singing wise uh i have to say is um robert mitchum Robert Mitchum did great, an amazing, a fantastic Calypso record. Calypso is Whoa. like so.
0: Calypso what?
1: I think the title is Calypso is like so. <laughs> Whoa. And it's really amazing. And his voice, it, it, it on works. Yeah, yeah, I've got the original and i got a reprint as well. I got the r- original first edition and uh, it cost cost a little bit, was a little costly. Already in the I, I got it in the early nineties. I think I bought it in France in ninety two or something like this or ninety one. And it was already uh pricey back back then i think maybe the prices have have gone up but you get you get reprints and you get it on cd and it's good music i mean most probably you can download it or file share it or whatever and i think it's worthwhile because really really is is a great record and i have to say i i got i'm a, a sucker for uh early uh, caribbean uh, music especially calypso because my my mom she one of her favorites she was always into the rap pack she was into you know frank sinatra and sammy davis jr her favorite was dean martin of course her favorite was uh, dean martin uh, dean all martin the way i think one so of the nice. reasons one of the reasons why i'm uh, named martin as well i think yeah i mean she Whoa. she said something like this you know <laughs> yeah was, yo, yeah no uh, yo uh, anyhow and uh, uh, but her favorite her favorite, Jeep was um, Harry Belafonte, you know, and she was listening to Harry Belafonte all the yeah, time, my, my and of dad, course Harry Belafonte comes from this culture, you know, culture. yeah, from this Caribbean, West, uh, Indian. West Indian Caribbean uh, music culture, you know, and so she listened to basically calypso, you know, and uh, when I discovered that Robert Mitchum had done uh, a record, you know, I I, was, I, I heard it at a, a friend of mine in in Berlin had it. And when I was there in the '80s, he played it for me. I was like, "Hey, wow, this was uh, this was um, how you say it, um, mind-altering, a revelation, a revelation." It's a really good record, you know. Matilda, 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 <laughs> she take your money and run Venezuela. Everybody go. <laughs> no, it's it's really you didn't know that.
0: I didn't know that about
1: you. You didn't know that about Robert Mitchum. I didn't know that. Because Robert at Mitchum, all. Robert Mitchum, basically, to most people in in. Our line of work, you know, and in in, in our uh, style of music, Robert Mitchum is, of course, uh, the good and the evil hand, you know, the preacher from the Night of the Hunter, which is an excellent movie. And I got, by the way, I got the spoken word record of a Night of the Hunter spoken by Charles Lawton, you know, the director of the movie. And Charles Lawton is really one of the great voices and the great actors of his era you know and the record is amazing i mean you should listen to that
0: <laughs> dude you're blowing me away with all these amazing uh i didn't know i didn't know that you were that much of a collector when you you got into it that much it's not
1: only a collector i'm also i'm ju- i would just say i'm into popular culture you know and and m- comic books movies uh or you have to say comic art basically you know because it's also an art form when you say comic books everybody's thinking of spider-man and superman it's much much more than that you know i mean i couldn't afford the original spider-man or superman but i can afford some of the 80s mini comic books that i started buying in the 80s already you know uh, by uh, artists like jeff gator and uh, xeno or or Pusshead, of course, you know. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, he's he's part of that generation as well. You know, most of those come from the '80s uh, counterculture punk and post-punk era. You know, a lot of those comic artists. Um, so. Are you
0: down with like McFarlane? Were you McFarlane? Yeah, yeah, Boy,
1: yeah. yeah of course, I got McFarlane. As I said, in the '80s, collecting uh, McFarlane action figures and all of that, and I was, you know, dying, I was waiting on, you know, dying. Uh, while waiting for the first spawn to be released you know and of course got the McFarlane's was reading mcfarlane spider-man back in the day you know when it came out all that and of course image was uh had the air of something new happening you know in this in this crusted superhero kind of like culture dominated by those two big wig companies, you know, Marvel and DC that, you know, whose universes, like, like gods, they were sitting, you know, on their, on, on their universes into history and controlling it and telling everybody what they had to do and in what direction their characters had to go. So with Image, they had the, 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 the air, the breath of, of, of change of something new, you know, of something might happen that will take the entire idea of, of, of the superhero into a different direction, which of course you have to say that that uh, those companies starting to realize that there's an audience out there that grew up with all this stuff and now is in the age where they want a different kind of storytelling in that regard, or uh, they, those companies started going in the right direction. You know, they they started realizing okay, there's creators out there that maybe we should give more free hand and maybe even give a little percentage of what uh, the money or income you know they create for the companies, and uh, so they g- gave a lot of uh, freedom to. Alan Moore for that, that example you know uh, to do something you know with their characters with uh, the watchman you know who of right. course which is of course for superheroes basically it's like uh, the the catcher in the rye you know mm-hmm. for American literature you know
0: yeah.
1: just so right? he, Swam- he started out with Swamp Thing yeah I started of course he had to work yeah. He had to, to do his score, uh, his chores, you know, before he got the freedom to... What was to... he
0: doing before he started
1: doing and he, he's, he's, uh, he's a Brit, he's from England, you know. So he was working for 2000 AD, and he was he was doing some uh, independent uh, comics as well, you know. And he had created characters for 2000 AD, you know, like Doctor and Quinch, for example. Most probably characters you don't know. 2000 AD is most famous for Judge Dredd, you know. Oh, Judge, that's Judge that's Dredd right. is the character, that, yeah, Judge Dread is the character everybody knows from 2000 AD. and he had worked for 2000 AD and, uh, and created some amazing comics for that. He did uh, the, uh, I think, the British superhero that uh, became, if I'm not mistaken, uh, was it a Marvel or a DC superhero? Captain uh, Britain, you know.
0: I know that superhero from yeah. just the Marvel Universe. I That's
1: Marvel. Captain it's Marvel, correctly. Marvel. Yeah, I think it's Marvel. Captain Britain, and so it was uh, him, you know. Doing uh, Captain Britain in uh, in the UK as well, you know, a lot of a lot of great artists, you know, in the comic book uh, uh, field uh, started or, or came from Britain, like in the in the you have to say in the Anglo-American, you know, uh, comic book field. Of course, there's different comic book cultures out there. There's the French. You know, or BD, uh, comic book culture, and then there's the Japanese manga comic book culture. So there's completely different cultures you know, out there with different artists that are all on their own absolutely amazing. You know? There's so much great stuff out there, there's so many great things and there's so many connections between great things. You know, I started more and more realizing how important movies were for the rise of extreme music. Movies and movie soundtracks, or to be specific, movie, uh, what do you call it? Uh, The sounds of the movies. I mean, where was extreme singing before The Exorcist and Evil Dead? Listen to those demonized humans, you know? You got your black metal voice in there. Or when you listen to Regan, you know, the girl being possessed in The Exorcist, when she speaks with the demonic voices, There you got, you know, there you got your inspiration for extreme black and death metal singing in there already, you know. And you start realizing, okay, somebody has done that, it should be working, this is scary. So if we want to create scary music, you know, this is the way to go. Even if it was unintentionally, you know, but before those movies. There really wasn't any extreme singing, so I think you know movies, just generally speaking, a lot of things are more interconnected than you would normally think. Because usually, when you tell the, the history of of like some uh, music genre, you just talk about the music and the people performing the music, but not what has, not about what has inspired them, not about what it was that besides the music got them into what they were doing. And you compounds know,
0: compounds and compounds and that all the get lost. It does. But marked. I got to
1: get, get ready. <laughs> no problem. You got your uh, show I'm on talking for over an hour now. Or
0: what I, I, I I'm uh I'm uh, I I just looked at the clock and I'm like I got half an hour to warm up. But this is perfect. I mean, I, hey, knew, it, I knew I knew you I would hit be, it I would
1: be warmed up right now.
0: <laughs> I think the guys are freaking <laughs> yeah. out. I'm not there. Okay, okay, let's hit, let's but, let's uh, close it down. Let's close it. No, down. this was awesome. Let's end it here. I knew it was
1: going to be. It. Let's end it here. Yeah, oh, we cool. should do that more often, basically. Well, you know.
0: Well, then how about we do it on Skype when I'm back home too? Yeah, that's a good idea. I'm on Skype. Okay. Thanks, Martin. Hey, you're welcome. Awesome. This is awesome. Um, Thank you. Yeah.